last Sunday evening, we were talking about how the church is um, the bride of Christ and how um, the church is sometimes, well, we always somehow, you know, we want to cheat on our, our husband, <laughs> Christ, with um, the things of the world. And God began to touch on, you know, how he has many promises for us while we are on this earth. But our ultimate goal should be to make it in and to be seated at the marriage supper. That was a very, very, very powerful word. The Holy Spirit gave a lot of revelation last Sunday. And today, uh, he wants to go even deeper so we can have an understanding in how we feel. Um, The main focus is to see our relationship with God not as or or for example not the Bible as a book of story but it is God's love story to us and when we look at a husband loving his wife then we can understand exactly how uh personable how loving and and what type of relationship that um Christ wants with his people that Christ wants with his church. So um with that being said, you know, we also mentioned just recapping how if we ha- had gotten brought if we was brought up, you know, thinking about uh looking at love in a perverted way, then we can know we cannot understand or neither our minds can fathom you know what a uh marital relationship uh with Christ is and this morning we also mentioned how you know the bible says that whatever you yoke your body with whoever you lay down with you become one with that person so that person's spirit intertwines with you and their characteristics their demons their you know their struggles everything um intertwines with your spirit and the thing is god's ultimate goal is for us to be one with him so that we can intertwine with his holy spirit and get and gain his characteristics his characteristics of love you know the bible says that god is love and what are the characteristics of love it is long suffering joy peace patience um self control goodness kindness you know god want god wants for us to be yoked with him first so that we may look like christ on the earth but what has happened was what had happened is is that um the enemy tries to get to our spirit before God can get to our spirit to defile us so that we will never receive the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is what gives us the, the power to walk in righteousness. The And the Bible also says that when Jesus come back, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our redemption. So guess what? Um, When Christ come back, if if whoever doesn't have his spirit, they're none of his. This is what the Bible also says that, you know, he said, if you have not my spirit, you none of mine. The spirit that cries out what? Father. That's just like if you, if your father, your, your mother or father takes a DNA test, 
um, well, you take a DNA test to find out who's your father. If you got your mom and your dad's blood, then that is, you know, that is confirmation that they are your parents. But, and spiritually, if you, if, if we take a DNA test and we don't have the Holy Spirit, then how, then we're not none of God's. So I want to make that clear that you must have the Holy Spirit. And that's why God is so big on fornication, having sex before marriage, defilement, because he cannot dwell in an unclean temple. All right. So um, the title of this message is called God's love for Jerusalem. And it's just a continuation of what we've been learning thus far. Um I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 16. Starting at verse one. And this was so amazing. And this, I think we can also see deeper um, God's heart towards us and exactly what has happened to us spiritually. Once we become, once we come out of the world and we become his children and also the bride of the bride of Christ Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 1 says and the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man cause jerusalem to know her abominations. So Ezekiel was a prophet and God spoke to him and, and told him to tell his people of their sins. Now, what I, what I find so interesting about uh, verse one is that he said, again, the word of the Lord came upon me saying so again means this was this has already happened before god has already brought a warning god has already used his prophets to tell his people of their sins and ezekiel was just reiterating what god has been crying out for generations chapter 1 I mean, chapter 16, verse one says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Abomination is something that is detestable. It is filthy. It's disgusting. It is hated by God. So here it is. God is talking to his children uh, and saying, hey, listen, you're doing things that I detest. You're doing things that I hate and you're doing things that I am disgusted by. Verse three and say, thus says the Lord unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was a Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. Now, this simply means that Listen, you were born in a land of sin. Canaan was always, uh, it was always, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Canaan, I'm just going to say Canaan. You know what I'm talking about. 
for those who are reading along with me, that this was a place of unbelievers. This was a land of sin. So God is saying to his people, first, you were born in sin and your mother and your father was a sinner. This is what God is saying. Verse four. And as for thy nativity in the day thou was born. Let me change the um translation. Give me a second. I don't know why. Oh man, this is, this is just so powerful. And then the Lord put it on my heart to say, this is the message to my church nowadays. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still speaking the same thing. So let's go back to, um, for those who don't really understand the, um, the new King James version, I mean the King James version, for me, I, I like the New King James Version. Um, if you want to find a really, really good ver- uh, translation to read, the New King James Version is good. It just It's just uh, in more of our today's terminology. So verse 3 says, And say, Thus says the Lord, God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother was an Amorite. As verse four, and as for your nativity on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. So here it is. God is saying, you know, when you were born, you were born in a land of sin. You was born of um, from us from sinners and when after you were born, you were dirty. He say your navel weren't, wasn't cut. You wasn't washed with water and you were not rubbed with salt. Neither were you clothed. So you were dirty when he found you. Verse five. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out in the open field when you yourself were loath on the day you were born. So that's so amazing. He said, okay, you know, you were, you were dirty. You wasn't clean. You was born in sin and you, and you, and no one pitied you. No other God saw you to pity you. No, no, no person saw you or pitied you. No one, they looked at you with disgust to be that when he said that when you were, when you yourself were loath on the day you were born, that means that you were detested. You were, um, uh, they intensely disliked you. They were disgusted by you. They looked at you like you were nothing basically. And he said, and verse six, he said, and when I passed you by my God and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. So here it is. God saying he were struggling in sin. 
you know, you were dying. You were laying in your own blood. You was dirty. You was born in the land of sin. And the only, and he was the only one that passed you by, looked at you and spoke a word of life and said, live. So this is his message to the church. He said, I was the one that came and he, and he reemphasized that it was him. The reason why you're blessed, the reason why you have open doors, the reason why you're being healed, the reason why you, you, you have strength, the reason why you can see you have vision is because of God and, and God alone. So that's why he is the only one that is worthy to be praised. He is the only one that should be worshiped because he was the one who changed our lives. And he said, he said, let me, let me tell you something. I was the one who said live. Yes, it was me. Verse seven says, I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grew, you matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. So here it is. He's, 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 he's now telling you that, okay, I spoke word. I spoke life over you. I gave you hope. I gave you a future. And through, through my love for you, through me speaking my word of life to you, through me giving you another chance, through me loving you, washing you, cleansing you, you begin to grow. You begin to mature and you became very, very beautiful. So tap yourself on the shoulder and say, I am beautiful. So that cancels every lie of the enemy that, that says that, um, that you're ugly or you're fat or you're dumb or you have nothing going for you or you'll never have anything going for you. God is saying to you, if you are in Christ Jesus and you have allowed him to teach you, mold you, shape you, not only that you have hope and a future, but you are beautiful. He said, but you're beautiful, but here it is. You have grown and you have matured, but, but you're still naked and bare. Let's go to verse eight. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was a time of love. Hallelujah. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, he said it again. I swore on oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing because he's saying, "Okay, I cleaned you up, but you were naked. But then he looked at you again and say, hey, let me go the extra mile. Let me cover you with my wings let me cover you with my um let me cover your nakedness so you know what's so important and this is this is a message to the church this is the character of god he said that it i saw that it was your time for love this world is perishing for a lack of love People are turning their hearts from God because there's no love in the church. How is it 
God finds us in our blood, born from a, 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 a mother of sin, born from a, a land of sin. We were dirty and we were despised and no one was there to help us. How is it that he came? He clothes us. He taught us. He he you know, he he covered us. Man and women of God, it is not God to uncover your brothers and sisters. If you see someone struggling, if you see someone in sin, you love them through their sin. Love them not through the sin, but out of their sin. Many people, many people in the house of God, we gossip about one another. We slander one another. We, we backbite one another. And we, and, and when, when, when a person trusts us with valuable information as confiding in one another, we go and tell each other business just like the devil. But our father one, the one who ha- has and still is leading by example, said that I saw you naked and I covered you. Once you come to Christ, you start noticing that, you know, God began to bless you with dreams. God began to bless you with visions and God began to um, tell you the secrets so that you may not expose his children and make a mockery of them, but so that you may pray for them. Especially as leaders in training, the question is, can God trust you with his secrets? In the house of God, we don't know how to be a good wife. We're not a good a good wife. Imagine you are a husband and you married to your wife and there's nothing. And every time you tell your wife a secret, she goes spread it to all her friends. Will you be comf- Will you have enough comfort to tell her anything else again? Absolutely not. So even as, even as children of God, the bride of Christ, we must learn that it, it is not it is not relationship. This is I mean, this is not religion. This is relationship. Just how God uses natural situations. He used natural analogies to teach us the things of the spirit. So and then this is what's also important. He said, yes, I swore on oath to you. And entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord. So once you come into the house of God, you're no longer your own because God, because you were literally struggling, you know, dying in your sin, no direction, depressed all the time. You know, and God came and cleansed you. Not only he gave you life, but eternal life, which is life abundantly. You know, we come into the house of God, not understanding that you accepting Christ's salvation is that you're surrendering your life to his. You belong to him. So now let's take another natural analogy to make it more clear. If when you marry someone, right? 
And just in, just picture yourself, even if you're not married, it's really under very understandable to get this concept. Imagine you marry the love of your life. And you stand before that person, you vow to love them through sickness and health, richer or for poor. Um, what's the other one? To death do you part. Right. You're you're committing your body to them. You're committing your emotions to them. You're committing your affections to them. Right. So your heart is pure. You said, yes, this is what I want. This is how much I love you. I'm willing to give you my life. But then that person goes out and they said, but I'm not willing to give you me. I'll accept everything you given me. But I'm not willing to give you all of me. I'm not yours. I'm still mine. And that's what we do to Christ. We say God, Christ has has given us everything by paying the death penalty on the cross. He's he has stood with us through richer and poor, stood with us through sickness and health and to death, all the way to death. And we come into the house of God and say, But Lord, I still want me to myself. We can't do that. And that's important in understanding your salvation. What you stepped into, you stepped into a relationship with Christ. Now, in in, in verse 9, then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly, thoroughly (laughs) washed off your blood and anointed you with oil he said he didn't say i splashed you with you was a little funky under your arm and you you know you was a little frail downstairs and i just you was too stank i just threw a little water on you he didn't say that he said i washed you with water yes i thoroughly washed you that means he took his time he went into detail in washing you that's that's what the process is for once you come into the house of god yes you get that that cleansing that that washing of the blood but there's a continual thing because now christ is is now preparing us to be presented for him at the marriage supper so here it is he's thoroughly washing us and anointed us with oil. Remember when I, when, when God, the Holy Spirit began to use me to teach on that salvation is free, but it is the anointing that you pay for. And it is the anointing that destroys every yoke. Don't you know that the anointing is love? God will pour his power on you. God will give you the the gift of miracles, signs, and wonders. But the only thing that I've seen in my over 10, me over my 10 years of serving Christ is that it is love that breaks yokes. The Bible says that, um, for he drawed us with his loving kindness that it is love that covers a multitude of sin oh glory to god that hold on now for god so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So remember, Jesus was brutalized, but he still won the victory by the most. He won the victory by displaying the unadulterated love of God. So then he say, verse 10 says, I clothe you in broadered clothes, cloth, and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothe you with fine linen and covered you with silk. Now that sounds like a real good papa, don't it? I think that they really emphasize on the clothing and the shoes for many of you who like to dress, even today's terminology. He say, I clothe you with embroidered cloth. That means that clothes with decoration. He say, and I gave you sandals of badger skin. Today, we, we talk, we like the alligator skin, the, the python skin. We like all of that, that high end stuff. And he say, I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. So he say, not only that I spoke, I gave you life. I cleaned off your blood. I thoroughly washed you. I hid you with my feathers to cover your nakedness. And now, hold on. After you have matured and you have grown, he said that I have also anointed you with oil. And not only that I anointed you with oil, I gave you the finest clothes and the finest shoes to wear. Verse 11, I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earrings on your ears and a beautiful crown on your head thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was at a fine linen silk embroidered cloth you ate pastry of fine flour now he's even going into the delicacies of food he said you ate pastry of fine flour honey and oil you were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty and you know what's so this really just busts the bubble of religion. I have heard certain pastors, leaders of, of uh, in the church that says that you are a, a Jezebel if you wear nose ring or you can't wear jewelry or earrings or bracelets or anything that God considers that to be a, 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 a way of being a sinner which is, 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 is how, uh, how they used to dress as being a harlot. And here it is. God spoke to Ezekiel saying a, a message that he's been saying for generations to reiterate what he said. And he uses the analogy of what he has done for us spiritually of wearing fine linen, fine shoes, uh, jewels, 
all over our, you know, on our wrists, on our earrings, in our nose. See, for those who are out there that likes to persecute the believers for uh, the blessings of the Lord, God is God. He said the, the diamonds. No, he said the gold and the silver is mine. This is what our father says. He said the gold and the silver, it belongs to me. I created this. So how do we despise it? The good things of God, the beautiful things of God and call it carnality. The Bible says the lover, the, the, the lover of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. God desires for us to have nice things. He just don't want us to worship it. He don't want it to be, our, 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 we don't, he don't, he don't want anything above him. So why am I touching that? That's a real big issue in the church. I guess you're supposed to be laying down in sackcloth all your life and dirt and ashes crying on the wall, looking smitten and stricken by God. Will I tell you, man and woman of God, that yes, there will be times of suffering and persecution and there will be times where you may have to lay in your sackcloth to fast and pray. But the Bible says that if you die to your will, if you die to your sins and, and you and you sacrifice your ways to the Lord, then he the Bible says that um, he said anything that you have given unto the Lord, whether if it be brothers, mothers, sisters, lands that God will give you in this life and in the life to come a hundredfold. But guess what he said in with persecution so even for those who are kingdom builders out there that you know you may feel like and and you may feel like you know everybody want to give you a high five when you're when you're when you're down and low and you looking smitten and and abandoned by God but they want to persecute you and say you have turned your back on God because now you they see the blessings of God listen Not everybody is going to know the story behind the glory, but you just make sure that you don't lose your story in the glory because there are some people who get blessed by God and they forget how to live holy. They forget how to be righteous. They forget how to go fast and pray. They forget how that it was the sackcloth that got them to where they are hallelujah so men and women of god if you're listening to this message that there's no sin in nice things just make sure you don't get lost in it and we thank god for just saying that this is how this is how he see us spiritually this is how he he adorned us he said you have you 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 ate of pastry of fine flour he said i didn't give you pig slop isn't it amazing for those who are Bible scholars, God gave an analogy of the prodigal son 
where he got he him and his brother he they had an inheritance from their father the father was a millionaire and god used this analogy and one of the brothers wanted to be impatient he wanted his 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 uh inheritance right then and there and he took his inheritance but because he lacked the spiritual maturity he spent all his money on prostitutes and all type of things and found himself eating in a a uh uh eating with the pigs in a pen pen a pig pen so isn't that amazing that when we go back and sin, God uses sin as an analogy of a pig pen. But here it is. Now he say you ate a pastry of a fine flour, honey and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. 14. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect, though my splendor I'm sorry. It was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord. So here it is. He said that, you know, when when because of your remember, when we're talking about the beauty, we're talking about spiritual things, you you know, that beautiful you being clean, you're walking in holiness, the beauty of righteousness, the beauty of miracles, the beauty of 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 self-control, the beauty of goodness, the beauty of kindness, the beauty to be able to cover your brothers and sisters and pray for them. The beauty of keeping a secret, the beauty of of love. He said that has given you fame amongst the nations because of God bestowing his beauty upon you and you know a lot of people you know they like sometimes they come and they can you know they you know give me and my husband uh you know in other words they give us compliments about our walk with Christ and no one ever really heard of you know a man of God being celibate for 10 years and 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 a woman of God being celibate for seven and a half years and was engaged for two years and didn't kiss until their wedding day and and they would say you know what this is beautiful hallelujah that this is royalty that this is the glory of God and we and remember and we always point them right back to the the one who is glorious of all we always point them back to God because it was we were in our blood hallelujah we were in our blood we were kicking and 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 dying and it was the lord who came and said live hallelujah it was the lord who came and and clothed us with with righteousness it was the lord who came and fed us it was the lord who came and anointed us we take no glory for what god has done so man of god woman of god those who are out there listening that when don't forget where you come from don't forget where you were how deep your pit was when before God came and saved you don't get so prideful don't get so right uh self-righteous where you become like Satan the characteristics of Satan one who kills steal, and destroy it is so amazing to me that even we're talking about the church tonight and we say that we are the church of Christ but yet we are acting as if we're children of the devil 
Why am I saying that? It's because we constantly talk about the blessings and the and the righteousness of Christ and how and how he desires for his bride to be made ready the bible says that she it will be clothed in white linen that she will be her righteousness will be her glory and but we in we are in a church we curse we lie we steal we covet we compete against one another we we steal from one another we gossip from one another and we say Christ our lord my god so verse 15 now but check this out and i'm about to close but check this out verse 15 says but you trusted in your own beauty you played the harlot because of your fame and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it that's just what i just said in a nutshell that god has given us so much beauty he has given us fame he has given us blessing but we trust some of us we trust in our own beauty and we and 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 the church we play harlot because of the fame that God has given us. Verse 16. You took some of your garments and adorned multicolored high places for yourself. See, and played the harlot on them. Such things should not happen nor be. You have also taken your beautiful jewelry from my gold and silver, which I had given you and made for yourself male images and played the harlot with them. You took your embroidered garments and covered them and set and you set my oil and my incense before them. Also my food, which I gave you the pastry of fine flour oil and honey which i fed you and set it before them as sweet incense and so it was says the lord moreover you took your sons and daughters whom you bore to me and these you sacrificed to to them to be devoured were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children, offered them up to them by causing them to pass through the fire. And in all your abominations and acts of harlotry, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, struggling in your own blood. My God. As a prophet to the nation, I hear the, the Lord crying out. To his people. This is a message to the church. Some along, somehow along the way. You have forgotten. What the Lord has done for you. And for those who are still holding fast. For those who are still holding strong. This is a warning for you. That when God bless you with that promise. That when, 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 when God give you that, the, the beauty that he bestow on you, give you fame. Don't forget the Lord, thy God. Again, brothers and sisters, Ezekiel was a a prophet that the word of the Lord came to again, the same message that has not changed. 
from generations. And here it is, 2018, God is still speaking in the same word. Don't forget that you were the one who was bare, that you were struggling in your own blood. And isn't that amazing? You were naked. You were struggling your blood and you get a little cleaned up and have a nerve to look down on someone else who's struggling in their blood. Wickedness, I tell you, wickedness. God is the only one who can make right, make one righteous. The Bible says that our best is of filthy rags. You can do your righteousness. You can be holy 365 days of the week. And because God is so holy, it is still considered to be filthy rags. It is only the blood of Jesus that has covered us our sins. So with this being said, this is a this is a message of love. If you truly love God, tear down the altars that you have built in place of him. What does that mean? Tear down the pride. Tear down the materialism. Tear down the gossip. Tear down the 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 fornication. Tear down the alt- the altars. Of rebellion, tear down the altars of witchcraft and put God black in his rightful place. Anytime God had destroyed a city, anytime God brought judgment on his people, wasn't because of the wickedness of the sinners, it was because he couldn't find not one righteous that his own people was acting just like the world. And I'm going to close out with this. Verse 25 to 26 says, you built your high places at the head of every road and made your beauty to be abhorred. Your, you offered yourself to everyone who passed by and multiplied your acts of harlotry. You also committed harlotry with the Egyptians, you were very, your very fleshly neighbors and increase your acts of harlotry to provoke me to anger. This is very important. The Bible says that as children of God, we're in this world, not of this world. Yes, Jesus sat with the sinners to bring them into righteousness. Yes, Jesus drunk wine and he sat with the tax collectors, the prostitutes and everybody. He loved them. They were their friends. But he didn't partake of their sin. He didn't become like them. He taught them to become like him. So here it is. Bride of Christ. Oh, ye church of Christ. 
He say you have be, you have committed and you have come a part of you you you're not bringing out the the um you're not bringing out the sinners, you're joining the sinners. For those who are whole and strong, for those who are have been a light and a lampstand in your community, continue to stand your ground. Do not be tempted to merge with society. Do not be tempted to merge with sinful ways of living. Because guess what? It provokes God to anger. And you don't want to be on that side. So with that being said, it gives you an understanding that the title of this message was called God's love for Jerusalem. It's not that God wants to just uh, destroy his people or call or or bring, uh, you know, or just bring hell on everybody. It is a decision that his people make to stand in the way of his wrath. Because just like he sent his prophets to bring warnings, you know what we do? We stone the prophet. We say that that word is not of God. But every single person that has heard this word today, you will have to stand before the Lord. And you will have to uh, basically give account for all you have done in this life. Men and women of God, God, God's beauty will bring you fame. God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's blessing will cause you to prosper. But do not forget the Lord thy God in the blessing. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you.